Hi everyone, just a quick thing before we get into today's episode. As I'm sure we're all well aware, there's a lot of hate in the world today. Hate towards black and brown communities that have played such a massive part in building our world. Hate towards LGBTQIA communities, fueled by certain authors of certain children's novels. The very fact that the word today is even included in that statement is despicable. Let us promote love and inclusivity and stand up for what is right, even when people in power stay rooted in quote-unquote tradition. And if you are looking at the US at the moment and thinking, I'm glad I'm not there, then I'm sorry to tell you that you are part of the problem. Oppression is everywhere in today's society, even in New Zealand and Australia. Let us fight for our brothers, sisters, and everyone in between. Let us accept that we are not perfect and continue to learn and grow into better allies for these communities. Let us be part of the solution. On that note, I have included a list of resources in the description where you can educate yourself on Black Lives Matter and LGBTQIA issues. Also, if, like me, you are not in a position to donate financially, just search Stream to Donate on YouTube and you'll find a number of videos in which all of the ad revenue is being donated to various causes. Black Lives Matter, trans lives are valid. And with that, Let's get into the ninth episode of Broadway and Other Kiwi Dreams, guest starring Matt Everingham. Hello, welcome to Broadway and Other Kiwi Dreams, a weekly podcast exploring the lives and minds of theatre practitioners in and around the New Zealand performing arts industry. I'm your host, James Shearer. Today, I am joined by music director, conductor, pianist, and composer, Matt Everingham. Matt has had a love for music ever since he heard his grandpa playing the piano when he was a toddler. Since then, he has grown into one of the most prolific young artists in New Zealand. Listen in to hear Matt's journey into the world of music. Learn about his experience in studying a double bachelor in music and laws at the University of Canterbury. And of course, we get a glimpse into the life of a music director in New York City. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, enjoy a conversation with Matt on Broadway and other Kiwi dreams. Hey Matt, how's it going? Hey James, it's great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. How's it going over there in New York? It's been crazy, but um, yeah, no, given the circumstances, it's it's I you know I'm in the best place I can be right now. I was meant to be home actually in April, coming home for the month, um, seeing everyone in Christchurch, um, and getting my visa stamped. Right, my the one that's been approved and getting it stamped so I can I could come and go more easily, um, getting it in the passport and and of course it, you know I had to make the call just to cancel the trip because I would never have been able to make it back. You know what I mean? Yeah. But lucky to have family here and, you know, I'm super lucky to have relatives here. So I ended up leaving New York City for a while, um, kind of indefinitely for now. And um, yeah, I'm in Louisville, Kentucky, which is the biggest city in Kentucky and beautiful. It's springtime and we're in the suburbs and uh, I'm working, you know, remotely as much as I can. And yeah. Nice. So obviously, uh, music theatre is a massive part of your life. Totally. The first question I was wanting to ask you is, what is your favourite musical? I was thinking about that, actually, uh, when you were prepping 
prepping this and I you know I'm glad you gave me a heads up because it's a the roughest question in the world right it's like what's my favorite album <laughs> or artist yeah. um but actually there is one that it's a show I've never done but it's a show I always um I love to play bits of it I've you know only a few days ago I was walking through the park listening to it um and that's Sunday mm -hmm. in the park with George this um one sure. of sometimes I think one of his best shows and I think the story the actual the book I can relate to a lot you know it's all about it basically the artist's dilemma in life um and the score is just beautiful um it's a beautiful piano part to play from the from the piano vocal score uh, and I've been fortunate to to do different arrangements of it with friends and concerts and things and they've always been like kind of highlight moments of taking some of those songs from the show and, and doing them in concert. So I'd love to eventually do it myself, but yeah, that's always a show I just go back to in terms of listening and there's just so many layers in it, you know? Mm. Have you seen it before? No, that's the thing. I've not even seen it. It's never, I, not in my knowledge, been done at least while I was aware of, you know, the scene in New Zealand um, and mm. certainly Australia has done it. Uh, in Melbourne, mm. I think, and it was, of course, on Broadway uh, with Jake Gyllenhaal. But I think I was just a little bit too late to New York to to see that. I would have loved to see that production. Totally. I want to talk a bit about childhood and growing up and stuff. So I heard that when you were younger, you would kind of hear your grandfather playing the piano. Yeah, and that was kind of what sparked. That was my yeah. I think my first experience of the piano. Um, and I'm so glad I had that upbringing because, you know, my granddad mm. was never classically trained. He, I think he tried some lessons and tried to learn reading and things, but never really took, he never really took off with it, but he was a brilliant, uh, he could play by ear brilliantly and pick up songs, his, you know, his popular songs from his back in his youth and, um, stuff from the radio that he used to listen to. And he would just have this kind of idiosyncratic kind of stride piano left hand that he would bring out for every song. He picked out all sorts of songs, um, and just while I was a kid, you know, when they were babysitting or whatever, they had a piano at their place and they, and we had a piano at our place. So anytime he was over, he'd usually be on the piano at some point. Yeah. And, and I kind of saw someone playing by ear and, and just really making music for the fun of it and the love of it. And yeah, it was a, it was a looking back, that was kind of my first taste of it. Do you think that's like your first memory as a child? Yeah. I, I mean, certainly it's one of the strongest, like I was pretty young. Mm. I've these photos and, you know, and things of me like two or three sitting at the piano with them. And yeah, I think certainly music and memory so it makes me remembering things a lot easier. So I think certainly it's one of the, if not the earliest, it's certainly stuck with me all the way through. Yeah. Sure. You started piano lessons when you were what, six, six or seven? Yeah, I'm exactly. I think I was either six or seven, closer to seven, I think. Mm. Yeah. Did you kind of pick it up pretty quickly? Well, uh, you know, I've talked to people about this. I was definitely interested in it from the beginning and wanted to learn, but you know, there were certainly the first few years of, of doing your scales and your exams and, and having to struggle away with practicing. Um, mm. So I think I started like anyone else in that sense. But first of all, I was interested. I, I think I, I think my mum suggested it, but I was certainly keen on the idea, right? And then I think within a reasonably short time frame, I realized that I actually really did enjoy it and I was progressing pretty quickly uh, and it kind of became one my thing, right? People at school knew that I was yeah. a pianist and um at primary school and then as i went into like intermediate school and certainly high school I, it became like one of the things that defined me which i loved and it was like a great 
way of meeting people and playing with people. So yeah, it wasn't exactly a sit at the piano and, and all of a sudden it was like all there. But I think in the first few years, it, I was lucky that it did, I did start to see it taking off and, and kind of that's what made me go, yeah, I'm going to stick with this. I was also really lucky to have my piano teacher, Laurie Searle, who's sort of a Christchurch legend. He was a great classical pianist, but um, also loved jazz and loved sort of transcribing contemporary music and would transcribe, you know, arrangements from films and, and shows and things when I was a young pianist. So I'd, he, you know, kept me interested by doing both sides of music rather than just sticking with one kind of formula. Yeah, it definitely is all about the teacher, eh? Totally. Like, if they're not passionate about it, you probably wouldn't yeah. be where you are today. And that's, and I, I really do think that, and I stuck with him for many, many years, all the way through school. Um, a lot of people change around, but I just had a great connection with him. And he truly had both sides of the coin because he was a brilliant classical pianist and trained classically, mm. but had this whole other side as well. And that's the thing I, a lot of people say, oh, wow, you know, I'm so, it's so great you stuck with it. They say, you know, I never did. And because often it does come down to how it's taught. And I think music teachers can really make or break a young artist's love for it sometimes or, or belief yeah. in themselves yeah. because you just don't gel or, or the way it's taught. But I'm, I'm so grateful and lucky to have those two influences kind of early on. Yeah, totally. In high school, is it true that you picked up saxophone? <laughs> I sure did. <laughs> yep. I, uh, I learned sax for about five years and I, you know, I think I've done one, one professional yeah. gig on the saxophone at sort of the beginning <laughs> of college and I really enjoyed it. And, you know, I, I, uh, it's back at home in, in a, in a wardrobe at my parents' house somewhere. Um, collecting dust. Exactly. I think, I think mum has been <laughs> pulling it out occasionally because she's a clarinet player and I think she oh, yeah. started to sort of, at least give it some use. But no, I did. I had a great five years learning and I played in some quartets and the orchestra at school. And it gave me, it was great to learn something else because it, until that point, I was really just knew one instrument. And it gives you a, even if you don't stick with it professionally, it just gives you a knowledge about the Wins family. And, and I think learning as a pianist, totally. learning another orchestral instrument is really important because you appreciate how much extra technique and and or things that you take for granted on the piano basic breathing sure. right all sorts of things embouchure tuning you don't have to sit it down at a piano and and you're not always in control of the tuning right it's someone else's fault if yeah. it's out of tune but yeah. on something like the sax it's like nope that's definitely all in your court so i'm um, yeah that was fun yeah i and one day i think yeah. i'll eventually pick it up again but i don't think i'll ever be i know too many amazing jazz players that i would ever do it professionally <laughs> yeah as a conductor as well it must be invaluable to yeah yeah to know about exactly other other sections yeah. and that's the thing and you know had i had more time i'd love to and maybe maybe i will eventually you know pick up some string just some basic string playing i mean i've studied it orchestration wise and composition wise studied all the families but i think um you know i've always thought the cello would be a pretty beautiful thing to play but again, you have to start from scratch, which is <laughs> yeah. kind of painful. <laughs> yeah, especially if you haven't picked up any strings before. Right. So we'll move on to your kind of music study in a second. But I saw that you were ducks of your school along with <laughs> all three of your siblings. <laughs> you've done the you've done which, the scoop. You've done the research. That's hilarious. I, I, I typed in Google St. Bede's Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, funny. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it isn't a lie. It isn't fake news. That is that is true. It must be somewhat genetic at that point, right? I mean, I guess it's not completely luck. I, yeah, put it that way. Um, <laughs> you know, the star, it might have been the star did this hilarious, like, sort of promote, you probably, that's probably what you read. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I, my sisters are super talented and I I envy them, actually. You know, they my real, real gift was, was in music and I got a lot of credit at that at school. But, you know, my sisters are one studies physics and music. One is going to be a whiz-bang lawyer. She's a history grad mm-hmm. as well. And then Bex, my younger sister, has just started vet school while this all this whole COVID thing all played right. out. So, well, she's yeah. done, you know, the pre, pre-vet, but wants to be a vet. So they are pretty amazing. Cool. I was wondering if there's another instrument that you want to learn. You, you mentioned cello, is that? Yeah, is that- I mean, I've, oh, I've always loved the cello. I've loved writing for the cello and I've um, mm-hmm. been lucky to play alongside some brilliant cellists as an accompanist and things. Yeah, I did the last five, the last five years was the first, sh- of all things, the first show I think I professionally music directed and the cello parts in that it's such an interesting orchestration there's two cellos two violins bass and the acoustic guitar and when you listening to the the album it sounds like it's so percussive right you you just imagine there's a drum mm. kit but there's nothing there's no percussion or kit part in that in that score and it's right interesting all the pit gigs i've done i've always like find myself catching the cellist and like charmed by the cello lines and things like mary poppins mm. les mis um, wicked. There were some beautiful little yeah. bits in there. Um, the other, other instrument would be of all, th- of all things, probably French horn, <laughs> which is sure. a, a kind of <laughs> niche, but, um, I just think yeah. uh, again, that's one where the tone is this sort of elusive kind of sit sort of somewhere in between mm. kind of brass and a reedy sound. One of the most difficult things to play, I think. But yeah, again, that's a lot of the time in sc- when I'm listening to scores and things, the other things that stick out to me. So yeah, once I, maybe this is the time, <laughs> this whole maybe situation, is, yeah. we'll try. <laughs> you need to source a cello or right? a French horn exactly. first. <laughs> so now moving on to your study. So you studied a double bachelor at UC. Yeah, bachelor of music and then bachelor of laws. And for my sins, I did an honors year. <laughs> Why? I don't know, but I, uh, I, I got it. I got asked and, and offered, which is, a, you know, a great honor. So I thought, yeah, let's, let's do it one of the most difficult years in terms of workload because I was freelancing and, and things, but yeah, I'm, I, it was a five-year study pathway and I managed to do that alongside undergrad courses. And I'm glad I did, you know, having the law side has been, even though I've very much committed to a music career, I'm so glad I did it because, you know, in terms of music business and con- even just basic contracts, you know, I have used it all along the way. Yeah. It's almost like music and law is kind of they, they don't really go together, but I feel like they kind of have a symbiotic yeah, relationship totally. in many ways. The material you're studying is so different, but there are elements of kind of, and I, my major was in composition. So like crafting a, a story and an argument and musically um, is kind of the whole study of composition, right? And I found that mm. even though law was very much drier and more logic based, but at the same time, like you had to be creative a lot of the time in terms of exams and essays and things. And I liked the kind of left brain, right brain, switching from like a composition class to <laughs> contract law, although I hated contract law. But the, in the end of my law pathway, I definitely focused on media law and copyright and entertainment. I was fascinated by that and uh, I still am. 
um, and I kind of focus re my research on like elements of copyright and law that affects artists and things. And I think I want to keep pursuing sure. that in this, in my whole freelance world. I think I want to try and keep kind of moving into that as well. What kind of drew you to the law side of things? Were you interested in, in that side of things in high school and stuff? Yeah, I, I think I was like, you know, music was my big passion, but I loved history and English and the classic cliche is, oh, you know, the careers advisor says, you're good at history, you should go and do law. Um, in fact, they, you know, they said, oh, you want to do music? Why, why don't you try something else? Why don't you get a real job? But I was like, no, nope, this is what I'm going to do. But sure, if I could do something else with it, whatever. I go, look, well, it can be done, you know, until the pandemic. <laughs> I've always been interested in politics, especially. And, you know, I used to love kind of criminal type documentaries. And, and I originally thought being a dreamy human rights lawyer might be an option. <laughs> In the first year of a music degree at most universities, you, you do your kind of major papers. And then you, you also have to fill it out with some other papers from other degrees. So likewise in law, you have to do a few major law papers and then fill out the rest of that first year with other subjects. Um, and so sure. they kind of the pathways work together, especially at Canterbury. Other places it was more difficult, which is one of the reasons I stayed. Um, and yeah, I think it's, I've always been a politics nerd. I, I did love kind of the whole different side of the brain that it kind of lets, makes you use. And again, I, I wanted to maybe complement my music career with having those skills in terms of like reading contracts, negotiating, um, knowing mm. about your rights as a composer or a writer at, or a performer, you know, um, and I have used it, not like I've sued anyone, but uh, just, you know, negotiating and, and looking at contracts and being able to make sense of things. Um, and just like tax, you know, the dry things at law school that you never enjoyed, but, you know, tax law and biz the idea of like how to start a business and all of that. Um, it's, yeah. It is useful, you know. So then you went and did a piano diploma at Trinity College. Yes. So that's like a, um, it's a London based uh, college and they, you work on your right. concert exam recital sure and they send out examiners so for, i sure. didn't have to go all the way to london um totally. which i did for other things but um yeah they they have an international program and you work on for a year or 18 months on on a big recital and then have to do it for this one examiner <laughs> um <Right. laughs> but yeah it was that was the other that was my performance side yeah so the uc side was kind of the composition and yeah i was playing a lot at uc uh, as an accompanist and my performance major friends, you know, they all often use me as an accompanist or to work things. And I performed a lot of my, in composition, I actually ended up performing a lot anyway, because I was performing my mm. own works and, and things. Yeah. But yeah, that Trinity College one was the, was the kind of dedicated study of, yeah, performance. And that's what they mark it on. Sure. You're in New York now, which we'll get to in a second, but you had been to New York before to NYU. Yes, that was my first trip. Yeah. Was it a, f a film scoring workshop? Yes. Yeah, so that was sort of, was it three or four years into college, I think? Yeah. 2017, um, first trip to New York. I wanted to visit New York anyway, and I knew I had this visa option and decided, hey, why don't we try and, uh, why don't I go over and scout it out? But what else can I do while I'm there? And I apply, I was, I've always been fascinated in film music. And for a while there at college, I thought I wanted to, you know, that was what I wanted to do and be a film composer. And, and potentially I could jump into that theater and film, you know, they have their connections. Mm. So yeah, I applied for the New York university has a, a bunch of really great summer, um, courses, um, 
I think they have a, a theater one too for actors. They have a classical performance right. one. They have digital stuff. And then they have like a dedicated film scoring summer workshop, which was amazing. And you have to apply and, and send in, you know, material and get selected and stuff. So, and they select about 20 people to do an orchestral track. So I was chose to do that where you get to score for an actual orchestra. You get given a, a cool. short clip over the 10 days and it's this wild kind of 10 days of right, furiously writing and editing and, and recording. Yeah. Um, and then they also have 20, I think but about 20, at least when I did it, that did like a hybrid digital music creation with still some recording as well. Yeah. And it was just this most amazing trip. And I have friends in New York that I visited and got to do this workshop and have this um, remote recording with an orchestra in Prague. They, they do a lot of this remote studio work so that um, we got to score for this orchestra in Prague and be in New York for a month. And it was just this most amazing experience. And I fell in love with New York, frankly, and mm. was like, well, how can I make this? How can I get there long term? Um, and that was the, that was the beginning of this whole crazy adventure, I guess. Sure. Before we get there, I like to ask people what their dream role is, but obviously you don't really perform on stage right if you were to perform on stage what would be your dream role well i mean i think i, I purely on the, on the musician side i miss conducting a lot i used to conduct quite a bit at home separate from the piano and being a being a stick conductor again of something like wicked or lamers would just be a dream you know in terms of a, totally. a musical role yeah i just it would be so great to be on a podium again and, and with an orchestra but aside from that if i had to pick a you're saying pick a real role get out of the pit kind of thing Get out of the pit. No, I totally get that. Any musician is performance. Oh, no, totally, totally. But no, I mean, I, people often say, you must act. I was like, no, never. <laughs> and I know it's a thing now that, the you know, the, the musician actor thing, but I just, maybe I'll have to cross that bridge eventually. But um, I mean, I'm fine with being on stage. But okay, let's say in a dream world that I suddenly am a singer, for example, um, something yeah. like, I don't know, like a Valjean would just be like, those mm -hmm. pipes, you know, getting to belt that stuff yeah. every night would just be hilarious yeah. um, and just completely unrealistic. But hey, we can dream, right? <laughs> it's, a, it's a dream role. doesn't have to be realistic. Yeah, totally. <laughs> You've done so much in your career in such a short amount of time we probably probably won't touch on everything but i did <laughs> want to touch on one of the highlights that you've talked about before is your earthquake memorial composition fractures being played in westminster abbey how did that feel hearing that being played there yeah that was aside from the first new york trip that was the other like single-handedly like definitive moment i know it sounds you know hyperbolic but truly it was like that trip that whole opportunity was just amazing and especially with being so our family being so affected by the earthquakes and losing our house and um which is now got after the pandemic makes it seem like 20 years ago but it was st still it was like 10 <laughs> years ago almost right yeah um that was 2011 and a crazy year at the end of my high school years and everyone was affected all around Christchurch and but then like you know within a few years there were all these little silver linings about opportunities and artists you know doing amazing things and so it was I think four years after that February the crazy February earthquake and I had a few I, two months before this concert deadline um my head of my music school at the university approached me and said look um the organ scholar at Westminster Abbey at the time, who was a Canterbury University graduate, is doing a concert on the 22nd of February and wants to have a, a young composer write a piece 
in, in, as a memorial and like man like just like the weight of that opportunity or like the you know the, the expectations was kind of hit you in the face at first but and then it was only I think two months away it was kind of a quick turnaround so I had to create this piece for the Westminster Abbey pipe organ and give Jeremy the time to practice it and we managed to have some amazing funding that made let me go over there so I took this piece over and workshopped it you know, in, in Westminster Abbey, after hours when that you no one's normally allowed there, we were in there in the dark yeah. and it was February, so it was winter and just the lights on up in the, in the, I think it's the, you know, the, uh, I forget what the name of the part of the building is, but you know, the, the organ section up, you're up in the rafters kind yeah. of thing. Hi, Matt. Future James here. I believe the word you're looking for is loft. It's in the middle of that beautiful big cathedral. It was just crazy. And that was what, February 2015. And it was literally the four-year anniversary. So we had the concert on the 22nd of February, you know, all that weekend. And all these all these Kiwis showed up in London, you know, all these New Zealanders who'd wow. heard about it because it had some news coverage. And like an old primary school teacher who was in London at the time showed up. And I, have a, I had friends, awesome. really good friend, Hannah Wheeler, showed me around the city. And, you know, we hung out a bunch. and. Um, I had friends from university who were studying, doing their masters over there, and they all came and turned out. And yeah, it was just probably one of the most definitive highlights of what I've done so far, for sure. Totally. Now you're in New York. Mm -hmm. What have you been getting up to over there, obviously, before the pandemic and <laughs> also now, obviously? Yep. Well, I, I and I get a lot of shit from friends about this. You know, I moved to New York only to spend most of the year working outside of it, but it is true that I moved <laughs> to New York in April 2019 and started my uh -huh. J1 graduate visa for a year. So a year's working visa. And I spent a month, good month in New York setting things, meeting people and setting things up. And there's a lot of amazing regional theater uh, in, in, around mm -hmm. the States. And it all, a lot of it feeds back to New York. You're working with New York people, directors, actors, etc. Being someone who was based in New York, I, you know, I was hired out of there to go to all these great little regional spots um, throughout the year. So, but between them, I was going back to New York and picked up um, audition, some audition piano, which was a whole experience in itself, coachings. Um, so I'd, you know, have my sublet uptown and, and uh, in between these contracts where I'd go out to a theater for a few months, I'd come back to the city for a few weeks and, um, it's amazing how much, you know, little bits of work there was because I couldn't commit to sort of large projects there yet, you know, coachings, rehearsals and audition work, playing for all sorts of different classes and things. So there's a lot of that work there uh, and it's great. Go, so I'd go take the train down to Pearl or Ripley or the studios there. Um, and sometimes I wouldn't necessarily know if there was work coming up for the day, but someone would post on some of the um, forums I'm in and, and, you know, you can easily be working most of the week back in the day before all this craziness. And, but look, that's the long game is to get back there in a couple of months. Um, I'm sheltering with family at the moment in, in Louisville just to get out of the city, but it's a beautiful place. I just love it so much. And so many friends are still stuck there and my heart goes out to them and I zoom with them all, all yeah. the time. Um, we have our little Friday night drinks over Zoom instead of yeah. like on 49th Street. <laughs> um, <laughs> and look, it will come back and you already see signs of it, you know, slowly recovering. Um, and yeah. it will be a while and it will be hard. But, you know, I I didn't invest all this energy and kind of heart in, in the place not to, to give up on it. And I think a lot of friends there feel the same. So, it, yeah, we'll be back. And look, it's still going to be the top of the world for theater, you know forever Definitely. in my opinion yeah yeah have you been doing stuff uh during this time have you been writing or anything 
Yeah, it's been kind of surprisingly busy. I, you know, I was planning on coming home in April to New Zealand and basically yeah. just having a month off, spending time with family, catching up with you guys, all my mates, you know, after a year of being away. But I decided to come out here and, and commit to, I knew uh, the remote situation is kind of going to be with us for who knows how long. So um, I'd, al- mm. I'd always done a little bit of remote stuff from my contracts in other regional places um, where I would record for tracks of people um, and arrangements where people needed them if they approached me. Whereas I got here and, and sat down and um, set up a little studio down here in, in the basement and hired a keyboard from the local shop and before they all shut, yeah. fortunately. So, um, yeah, I've been recording all sorts of things. A lot, you know, actors and singers want to do isolation projects. Everyone, there's a kind of mm. burst of like people wanting to record stuff. And also everyone's, instead of Audition Piano Live, uh, all the theater companies are asking for submissions, right? So they need tracks for yeah. that. And between the US and people at home, I've picked up um, remote teaching again yeah also bits and bobs of all sorts of stuff yeah it's been surprisingly busy and i hope it continues so if anyone needs those things a little shout out <laughs> yeah plug it yeah happy to record arrange write where can people get in touch i have a website that i in the time you know while we were all sitting around waiting to see what happens we finally had time to um update my website so that's everinghammusic.com and there's a Mm -hmm. music lessons section and a remote music services which is things like recording transcribing arranging etc so everinghammusic.com is the website and my instagram links to it too which is just at matt everingham great yeah get in touch thank you (laughs) yeah you've been a part of many many productions is there a production that really stands out to you as a particularly memorable experience totally um there, you know, and I'm so lucky and this whole pandemic really makes you sit down and appreciate what we do for a job and mm. look back on it and like cherish it. Cause you know, you get so busy and it's your job and you're going from gig to gig and it's easy to kind of, I never take it for granted, but it's easy to just sort of let it go by. Right. Mm. So yeah, it's been so cool to kind of look back and reconnect with people from different shows over the years. And yeah, for me, like in New Zealand, I think Wicked, we did it together. You know, Wicked was just a, to be doing yeah. this. It was the South Island premiere, I think. And it's the iconic score and to one of the favorite, I was keys one for that show and assistant MD. So I had a lot of involvement right from the beginning, teaching the cast yeah. and made so many friends, you know, like we had such a blast on that show. Totally. There was all of that. And then the the musical side um, and just such a meaty keyboard part too, which was great. So it just yeah. kind of had the whole package really. The last five years, my the first show I ever MD'd, that was also a highlight. Again, just like mm-hmm. the combination of first project. We did it in the foyer of the court theater and this like we kind of rearranged the space. Again, great orchestration, really uh, satisfying piano part, super, you know, challenging for sure. And a great team, you know, it's a kind of had, ticked all the boxes again. And then since being in the States, my first production was Mary Poppins, which was the second time doing it, but it was my first time as MD for that show. So Mm -hmm. coming back to it the second time round at my summer theater last year, that was very, very cool. Again, awesome people, a bunch of amazing friends and a great score. I know now I'm picking far too many, but since then (laughs) uh, I've had to, I've got the chance to do next to normal in Michigan. And that was, again, it's this like, the combination for me as a music director is how interesting is the score uh, or mm-hmm. the piece and how well crafted is it. Um, and then for, as a pianist, I just love beautifully written, complicated piano parts, yeah. kind of nerd off on that. 
And then, <laughs> um, it, again, that was a beautiful team as well. Uh, smaller casts, a bit like the last five years, you know. So you, it's not like this huge company, but really difficult material and next to normal. So we all had to kind of bond over that. And then the last one I'll mention is I had a beautiful time up in Vermont over the winter. I got to have my first white Christmas in this like beautiful part of Vermont, this big ski area, nice equity regional theater, um, Northern stage. And we did the sound of music and it was once again, <laughs> great score. I got to play the, re <laughs> yeah. the rehearsal part and then keys two for that. And I was assistant MD. So I was involved with teaching the kids and running rehearsals and things and a, a beautiful company. Like it was uh, Maggie Burrows, who was associate director of My Fair Lady on Broadway was our director and she was awesome. Katie, associate choreographer of Hadestown, was our choreographer. And Kirsten Anderson, a good mate of mine now, she was the um, alternate Eliza in My Fair Lady. And she was our Maria. Mm. So, right. but look, and it was my first real taste of like being quite close to New York in the room and just realizing how small the world is. And it was like winter and I got to have a winter Christmas, which for Kiwis is such a weird and awesome thing. Everyone yeah. in Vermont's over it by January, but you're like yeah. loving it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and <laughs> Yeah, I get to, I've had an amazing time seeing parts of the country and doing great shows. Yeah. Cool. Coming towards the end of the podcast. So the show is called Broadway and Other Kiwi Dreams. Obviously, you're pretty much living that. <laughs> Just take out other. For now, I mean, who knows? But for now, yeah. Do you have any other dreams for the future for yourself? Yeah, uh, this, again, I've had a lot of time to sit and think, and probably many of us have in the arts, especially. And what, and you know, we're all worried about what the future looks like and whether yeah. those dreams are going to be there. And I think they still will be. Um, it's just a matter of time. It's all timing and commitment, frankly. So yeah, look, it still is the dream to, I've done a lot of great regional work and I've, the long game is to get back to New York, commit to being mm -hmm. there long term. And I think what's been working is going in and out and, and basically doing the work anyway, wherever it is, right? Good shows, yeah. good production companies, good theaters, uh, good people, and then networking that back into New York. But yeah, that's a long thing is to is to be a a Broadway music director and well, first of all, play sub and then play and then yeah. But aside from that, you know, as long as I'm doing music as a career in a really fulfilling way, um, I've always thought doing some film work would be awesome. That was like a at high school. That was like a big dream. You know, kind of I was loved like the big Hollywood cinematic orchestra scores and things so yeah. i'd love to i'd love to do that too you know and you see a lot of crossover in, in the world in that world now with a lot of like movie musicals coming out la la mm. land greatest showman all the remakes you know mary poppins returns etc and a lot if you look at the credits a lot of them are the, the people that have worked on those shows or are, you know right. have been new york pit musicians and then arrangers and then conductors etc yeah and Aside from the music side of things, I, you know, we've touched on the law side and I'd love to do something fulfilling with law for artists, whatever that looks like, you know, one thing at a time right now. But um, <laughs> I think there's something I, I feel like I have something to offer in that eventually. I was actually going to come home and, and be admitted to the bar because I qualify. So that was going to happen, I think, yeah, around Anzac Day and th this week, actually. Yeah, it was going to be Friday, this Friday. <laughs> right. I was booked and my best mate from law school is going to come down and, and be my sponsor. And look, that'll happen. Yeah. And I want to be able to, I don't want to, never want to quit music, of course, but I think I can offer something else on top of it. The other dream is right now just to get home, like just to be able to just, for this to be over and to be able yeah. to come home. Because right now for me, coming home is 
being stuck in a way. So I'd love yeah. for the, I just like the possibility to keep pursuing it, to, to stay as, as a thing. So I'm just yeah. waiting it out like everyone and, you know, things will open up and it'd be great to just get home, see everyone, retool and then come back here again. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to be optimistic. Yeah. Look, it's, I have a friend who's a, a doctor in Manhattan in an emergency ward and has a little baby and it's like, man, those are the people we're doing this for. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, and New Zealand's doing such a great job of it. Um, and I think as much as the arts are going to suffer and, and are, but A, people want to come back again when it's safe and they will be bursting to go and see live stuff. Um, and so it's like, look, a bit of pain now to help people out, of course, like that's what we've got to do, you know? Definitely. Thank you so much, Matt. Hey, it's a pleasure. And thank you. This podcast is like, I feel like it's, been something that should have been happening for a while and i know there's so many amazing other kiwi friends that would get something from it or should be on it and i think kiwis punch above our weight like in this whole industry and for such a small country of it's like the size of one of the smaller states in america i guess i just encourage people not to give up on studying the arts and pursuing it as a career everything bounces back and you know after the wars there was always you know huge amounts of arts and entertainment the recession, it all bounced back. And then like, even like the, the, I was thinking the other day, like the last flu pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. You had the roaring twenties. So I just think it's easy to get dragged down by it, but I just really think it's, we'll be back totally. Hi everyone. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed learning about Matt and his escapades over on the great white way. As you heard in the episode, if you are in need of music services, hit up Matt on his website, everinghammusic.com. You can also find him on Instagram, at Matt Everingham. As I said in the intro, I've included some links to resources where you can educate yourself on Black Lives Matter and LGBTQIA issues. Let's all do our part today to learn and become better allies for these communities so that tomorrow looks brighter, more colourful, and more diverse than ever. You can find the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as on our website. All of those links are in the description. Join me next week as I talk to my arch rival from my year group at NASDA on Broadway and other Kiwi dreams.